The Holy Gospel according to St. John, chapter 20. Glory to you, O Lord. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Then Peter and the other disciples sent, set out and went toward the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent down to look in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen wrappings lying there and the cloth that had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw, and he believed, for as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb as she wept. She bent over to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying, one at the head and the other at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. When she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. She did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you've laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not hold on to me, because I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. She told them that he had said these things to her. This is the gospel of the Lord. <clears throat> April 17th, 2022. Dear Mary, you don't know me, but I know you. I guess more accurately, I've read a lot about you. Since I was a child in Sunday school, in fact, you don't know what that is. But given Jesus' love for little kids, it might please you to know that the church you helped start is still alive, and in many ways, well. Sunday school is a part of that church that helps little kids understand the Bible, which is a collection of Hebrew scriptures, like the prophets, for example, which you yourself heard Jesus quote many times, but it also includes stories about people such as yourself, who lived with Jesus and witnessed firsthand his preaching, his teaching, 
and his acts of healing, how does it feel to know that you will be remembered 20 centuries after your death? I am writing to you, Mary, because it turns out we're not so different, you and I. Even though we are separated by 2,000 years and have lived halfway around the world from one another, I'm writing to you, Mary, because we both know how this story ends. While I have been celebrating the resurrection of Jesus, which we call Easter all my life, you, you experienced it firsthand. You were the first to discover Jesus' empty tomb when you found your way in the dark in the early hours of the first day of the week. It seems when you came to the tomb, you were grieving and you were weeping. I have lost loved ones too, Mary. So I know how you felt to be consumed by grief and sorrow. My friends and my community are also acquainted with death and know how it feels to have your world shattered by the death of a loved one. What I cannot imagine, however, is discovering the tomb to be empty. Were you afraid? Did you think this was the work of grave robbers? Were you suspicious? Did you think this was fake news? Were you stunned? Were you in shock? One thing I know is that you were alone when you made this discovery. I know you ran to tell the others what you found, but they returned home, leaving you all alone. I know what it feels like to be alone, Mary. I know you'd given everything you had to support Jesus' ministry, digging deep into your own pockets to help it grow and thrive. And now all of that is gone. I know that Jesus had cast demons out from you when you first met. In my time, we call this mental illness. And even in these times, we are familiar with the struggles of mind and spirit. I can only imagine your sense of relief when you were freed from those things that tormented you. You'd be pleased to know that God is ever at work, even today, using doctors and medicines to bring about healing similar to what you experienced. Nevertheless, I know what Jesus meant to you, and I'm sorry, because your loss is profound. And I'm sorry that you were all alone, crying. I, too, know what it's like to cry in the face of things I do not understand. In fact, many people today in my time know what it's like to peer into places of death and discover incomprehensible sorrow. People in my time read news of wars and invasions and insurrections, things that simply make no sense and result only in division and death. You are familiar with ruthless occupations and atrocities of war. These things remain in my time. You have emperors and kings. We have presidents and prime ministers. But we both recognize human empire and the power that it wields. You are familiar with authority and how it is abused and manipulated in order to maintain structures of power and oppression. You are familiar 
with senseless hierarchies and classes and castes. These things too remain today, I'm sorry to report. You are familiar with fatal fevers and diseases and plagues. We are just now beginning to emerge from a pandemic that has gripped our planet for two whole years, Mary. These are but a few of the things we do not understand in my time that cause us to weep, as you did when you peered into the dark tomb, not knowing and not understanding. Mary, in my time, as in yours, gender, color of skin, economic status, ethnicity, all determine who has power and who has none. Your world has desirables and undesirables, clean and unclean, insiders and outcasts, our world does too. But do you remember, Mary, do you remember Jesus reading from the scroll of Isaiah where the prophet casts a vision of hope to a people returning home after having been exiled to Babylon, a vision describing safety and prosperity for all people? Remember that? Remember hearing how they were torn from their homes and sent to live in exile? The world today, I'm sorry, still has refugees and aliens and walls and fences and checkpoints. Points. We have people who live in homeless shelters and behind garbage heaps. We have shoved people onto reservations and into ghettos. In our time, people live in fear due to the color of their skin, the nature of their religion, the orientation of their sexuality. How can the world still be caught in systems of such injustice, Mary, it is a far cry from the vision God casts to the prophet Isaiah. Mary, I even know what it's like to live in a world dominated by men who control the narrative of who you are and who you stand for. You don't know this yet, but in the sixth century, Pope Gregory I will combine your story with that of Mary of Bethany, as well as the unnamed woman who anoints Jesus' feet with her hair, thus condemning you to centuries of having your name dragged through the mud. You fall victim to the greatest smear campaign in all of biblical history, creating a false reality, a lie, you were a prostitute, mashing together all of your stories as if all women named Mary are the same, as if all women are the same. Here in my time, Mary, women still fight for control of our own bodies, our own narratives, our own futures. In our time, as in yours, Many fight to be named and heard. Seems we haven't come far regarding human rights and social justice. But Mary, you were there. 
And you heard Jesus preach and speak. He has so much to say about love and inclusion. We've kept and we've collected his sermons, his parables, and his prayers. So we know that he preaches about compassion and mercy and forgiveness. We know that he warns against hypocrisy and judging others. And yet in our time, people in the church still fight about who's in and who's out, whom you should love whom you are allowed to marry, how you should dress, what words you should choose to describe yourself. My children find it ironic that we fight about such things while the world burns down because in our time, Mary, our land and water and air are dying and begging for healing from harms that we have inflicted upon it. The church that you helped begin still has so much to learn about diversity and inclusion and celebration. We are making some strides, but not enough. It is sadly ironic to me that we have to create statements that promote the church's inclusion. This should simply be. Much of the world listens to popes who decree which sins are forgivable and which are not. Who is allowed to marry whom? who was allowed to participate in Holy Communion. Remember how Jesus welcomed all sinners and ate with them, all the while paying little heed to damage done by the same church over history in inquisitions and crusades and abuse. Remember how Peter was the one chosen by Jesus to receive the keys of the kingdom? Can we just name the dark irony that the first pope denied ever knowing Jesus, not once? but three times, identifying himself then not as a theological expert, but a sinner, just like everybody else. Jesus chose fickle, dramatic Peter because he intended for the church to be built on broken people, not empire. While the church today recognizes Peter as the very first pope, you should know the most after him are either forgettable or regrettable. Save for the current one, Francis, who is downright badass, a word you don't know, which means a very good chap. <laughs> Mary, you must understand that I too wish that things could go back to the way they were. You want things to go back to a time when you walked with Jesus and ate with him and listened to him, when you could physically touch him and hug him and kiss him. I get that. Mary, are you a mom? I have three sons, and the time is soon coming when they will move on to begin lives of their own. While I know this is necessary, and good, this also breaks my heart. Now I can walk with them and eat with them and argue with them and listen to them, touch them and hug them and kiss them, but what is life like when the ones we love are no longer immediately present? I too want the clock to rewind to simpler times when my children hugged my knees and had wounds that I could easily mend. But none of us can turn the clock back.
and live in the past. All of us must face the future, however scary and unknown it is. But Mary, do you think, do you think as you peer into the darkness and weep that perhaps the future might be even better than the past? Can we hold fast to Isaiah's vision and trust that God is working to knit together a future that is beyond our wildest imagination? Do you think as you peer into the dark tomb that you, that I, that we might detect a stirring of life, a new creation? Mary, the man you turn around to see is not the gardener. He is neither imposter nor ghost nor mirage. He is Jesus, and he speaks your name, and he speaks my name, and he speaks all of our names. He has come back from the dead to give you hope beyond the grave, to give you a future that is even better than your past. He will always be with you, even if you can't physically touch him. You see, Jesus gives us a presence called the Holy Spirit. You have felt her. You've listened to her. She calls to you. She binds us all together, the living, the dead, the unborn, transcending time and space. In this way, Jesus will always be with you. So don't be afraid of the future, Mary, even if you cannot imagine it. I can no more imagine my future than you can yours. I think you would find my sons amusing if you lived today. Some weeks ago, when I was sad and maybe even crying and maybe even emotional, imagining a time when they would all move away from me, my middle son Jacob said, Mom, don't you understand that this is not an ending but a beginning? Mary. Can you, can I, can we also peer into the dark and see not an ending, but a beginning? Can't we see that God is beginning a new thing in those very places that seem the most hopeless? God chooses to begin a new thing in Jerusalem. In Jerusalem, city that stones the prophets and kills God's messengers, the city of capital punishment and mass executions, the city of Caiaphas and Pilate, city of triumphant entry and public crucifixion. God chooses Jerusalem and Kiev and Kabul and Bosnia and Aleppo and Auschwitz to begin God's new kingdom. God's breath stirs the bones in Ezekiel's valley back to life and brings the bodies of ones innocently slain back to their feet. Human justice is the past, and God's justice is the future, beginning with those places that seem the most hopeless, like tombs and graves. Mary, in that dark tomb, can you imagine your own eyes blinking open in the shadow? Can you feel your own bare feet planting themselves firmly on the cool, damp earth and standing up tall and straight? Can you sense your lungs expanding and filling with breath and your grief and confusion? Yes, we stand and we weep with you, but now we know that even as Jesus has died and now live, 
we too will die and we will live again. This tomb is no longer a place of death then, but a place of life for you and for me and for all people. God rolls the stone away in order to invite you into God's new future. No more obstacles, no more barriers. God breaks open the tomb for all people, for all people, for all people. Mary, our paths will never cross on earth, but that I think is inconsequential in my time. We call this the communion of saints, humans across time and space who sweat and bleed and sigh and laugh and sing together forever, wrapped together by God's Holy Spirit. We will meet when time as we know it collapses and God's time begins on the morrow in the eternal. At some point, your energy and molecules will collide with mine. And what a cosmic meeting that will be. I wish you all the best in your new position as apostle to the apostles, the first female preacher to a world full of skeptical men. I feel you, sister, and I love you. Weep no more, dear one, and good courage to you. Chin up, shoulders back, go, and proclaim what you have seen and heard and know to be true that Jesus died and lives to bring all people into his kingdom. Jesus is with you, Mary, to the end of the age. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind. Your sister in Christ, Sarah. <laughs>